Hey guys, it's your boy Noir. Have you ever heard of Noir? Nah, not me. I mean Noir Coin. Noir is a decentralized digital currency created to ensure your transactions are secure, private, and untraceable. They use this fantastic protocol called Sigma, which provides you complete anonymity over your funds. It has a 2.5 minute block time. What I thought was really cool is that it's a community governed currency. So all of the decisions are made by the community. So check it out. It also has no max supply. So anyone can mine Noir and use it every day as a daily payment method. You want more information? Make sure you follow them on Twitter at NoirCoin. That's at NoirCoin. And make sure you check them out at NoirOfficial.org. That's NoirOfficial.org. You're listening to the only place on the internet that offers the perfect blend of high-quality premium cigars and cryptocurrency news and commentary. Welcome to Cigars and Crypto. Now here's your host, Invest Noir. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Cigars and Crypto. It's your boy, Noir, and I am so happy to have Michelle Ray, better known as Ragnar's Mate on Twitter. Ladies and gentlemen, Michelle Ray. Michelle, how are you? I am wonderful. Thank you for having me. I, no. You know what? I got to be honest. Like I, I had read, followed you on Twitter and you know, really like your conversational tone about the crypto space. But today is the first day I've listened to the podcast, and I think you have a new fan. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I awesome. really do. So, hey, let's jump right in, okay? Tell me how you got into the cryptocurrency space. Oh, I have daddy to thank for that, shockingly. <laughs> um, I grew up in a very libertarian, not political, just, you know, raised libertarian household. And um, I originally wanted to be a stockbroker, believe it or not. Um, and so I was really interested in finance and economics and monetary theory from a uh, embarrassingly young age. And my father encouraged that. And one Christmas in 2012, he sent me a private message and said, hey, check out this white paper for this Bitcoin thing. And um, I read it. You know, this was late December 2012. I read the white paper and I, my jaw just hit the floor. <laughs> I, I was like, this changes everything. I mean, this is... This to me, the Bitcoin white paper. I mean, it's you know, it's nine pages. Um, I, I was stunned, and so after reading the white paper, there wasn't a lot of information in 2012, early 2013 about Bitcoin online. I found some message boards, um, stumbled my way onto downloading the actual Bitcoin wallet, learned a little bit about mining. Um, on the message board, I found somebody who was willing to sell me Bitcoin, um, which was very inexpensive. This is early 2013. So I played with it for about two or three months, just kind of reading and learning and talking to people. And then I just didn't do anything with it. Um, in late 2013, early 2014, obviously, there was a lot more media, a lot more information. I opened an account at Mt. Gox. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're not, we're not going to go there. My heart is still a little broken there. Um, 
but by then, you know, what people have started to pay attention to how do we make just getting into Bitcoin easier? Because, you know, the experience was really complicated for somebody who wasn't, you know, tech savvy and wasn't a developer, didn't, you know, didn't know code. It was very cumbersome to download the Bitcoin wallet and sync the whole blockchain and then figure out, you know, how this mining thing worked. So I just kind of rode the wave um, for a while until November of 2014. I got a private message on Twitter from Paul Puey, uh, then of Airbits, and said, hey, I hear you're interested in Bitcoin. I'm following you on Twitter. How would you like to get involved in social media for a Bitcoin wallet? And the rest, as they say, is history. That is an amazing story. To go from Mt. Gox to working on a crypto project in that short period is just amazing. Yeah, recovering from the pain of Mt. Gox, and and it wasn't just Mt. Gox. I'll I'll drop a little another sad sob story here. I also had an account on Cripsy. Ooh, yeah, Ooh, you got wrecked <laughs> twice. I got yeah. It is kind of amazing that I'm not like the anti-crypto. Um, yeah, no, but absolutely, my faith in in Bitcoin and crypto and blockchain for various reasons has not wavered you know from the moment i read the bitcoin white paper to today not a bit has my faith wavered in what bitcoin is going to do to the world right right i think i think it shows resilience and a true belief in what this movement is about which is global adoption and freedom in finance and that's pretty much why i'm here as well now, you said that you are you still on this project? What what crypto project are you working on right now? Um, so I work in a couple of different areas. I work full time for a company called Permission. Um, I have been with Permission for almost two years. We have an incredible team of, you know, InfoSec uh, professionals and Bitcoin and crypto true believers um, and, and people who have been in marketing and e-commerce for decades, really, uh, who believe that, just like you said, crypto gives us sovereignty. And um, as a marketer by trade, I have just been abhorred by everything we're finding out about personal data exploitation and collection and, and all of that. So permission is really about permission. It's about getting people to engage in e-commerce and, and uh, you know, just the online world with the respect of the companies that we're dealing with. And so we're, we're kind of building this amazing platform that allows customers the security of knowing that their data is private and respected and not used in any way that they haven't uh, agreed to or opted into and also reward them for engaging with e-commerce brands that also believe in permission and the value of their data. I mean, we, we think why, why as a company would I want to pay three or four or five third parties to reach you when I can just reach you directly and pay you directly. So, you know, one of my biggest passions is how do we make crypto easy and, and make people secure and make it comfortable and familiar. Yes. And that's what it's permission is all about. Yes, let's, that's actually a discussion that, that I would love to have with you. 
where do you see, um, no, not where, what do you think is the best way to encourage adoption? Do you think adoption needs to come in the form of uh, uh, education? Do you think adoption needs to be stealthy? I think about the speeding app right now that people are using to uh, load Litecoin and Bitcoin and, and make purchases, um, and it's stealthy. The people who use crypto know what it is, but no coiners would not know. They would just see it as a rewards app that they could use at all of their favorite stores. What do you think is the best way to increase adoption? So this is a conversation I too love to have on a regular basis. Um, Education is important, but not in the way that the crypto community at large has been doing it in the past. And, and again, this is just my opinion. No, I agree. You know, the average person couldn't care less about proof of stake, proof of work, proof of identity. They don't care about those things. Um, in the same way they like to get in their car, turn it, and have it go, that is how a crypto needs to work for the average person. They, don't, they shouldn't have to check the oil and you know they shouldn't have to check the air filter and they shouldn't have to pump the clutch to get their car to go and to you using crypto needs to be as simple as getting in your car and turning the key um, and the education we've done in the past the crypto community and i'm guilty of it as well is trying to explain how this whole thing works what we need to try and explain is why it works for you not how it works for you, not why it's better than the existing system. I mean, we can sprinkle all of that in, but getting no coiners, which I like to call future coiners, by the way, <laughs> getting, getting future coiners in, because we're still very early in the, oh, in the innovation stage, getting them in makes means, all it means is, is educating them about why crypto is good for them and not bad for them. That's it. You know, they, they couldn't care less about, you know, BIP44 and uh, block sizes. You know, they just right. don't. It just it overwhelms them with information they don't need any more than they need know, to know how to check the timing on their car. Right. And being facetious here, everybody go learn how to check the timing. No, no, no. But I totally agree with you. I think that, you know, using the analogy of the vehicle is the perfect way to explain the way we should be doing this. When I get in my car, the only thing that I'm concerned with is, as you said, when I put that key in the ignition, that it turns over. Right. If I don't understand, if it doesn't turn over, then I go to someone who knows I have them look at it, diagnose it give me a quote, fix it. And then when I get it back, the only thing I'm concerned with is that it turns over and it runs. And I agree with you that Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies as an ecosystem needs to be seamless and it needs to be simple for people to accept and understand it. I think about children, you know, uh, uh, children under the age of 10 right now have been born into a world where there is Bitcoin. These same children play video games and they get rewards in these games. They play games on their phone where they have to buy uh, add-ons and power-ups. These things may seem simple, but these children understand the, 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 the necessity for a seamless payment system, digital, that 
doesn't require a credit card, that doesn't require giving up your identity, that doesn't require using an asset or a currency that's faulty, that's faulty, you know, faulty, like uh, uh, Argentina or Venezuela or Zimbabwe. Right, right. They they don't need to worry about any of those things. They just need a fungible currency that provides privacy when they want to use it. They need to know that the thing that they're going to buy, they're going to get, and the person who they're paying is going to receive the payment. And the person who's selling it needs to have that same confidence as well. That payment is going to get to me. I can see that it's it's here. It's in my wallet. They don't really care about block height. They don't care about block time. They don't care about transactions per second. They don't care about any of those things. They don't care about proof of stake, proof of work, or delegated proof of stake or proof of work. They don't care about any of those things. Right, and I right. totally agree with you that making things easy is the way to get uh, people to use it. Now, in terms of education, I agree with you again. I think the way we educate, uh, as you say, future coiners needs to change. I agree. And, and, you know, it's so funny. I'm one of those, I'll, I'll spill information. I'm not shy about who I am. I'm a 46 year old mother of four. Like the idea that I am out there evangelizing this new payment system, this new money is, is like foreign to most people my age. <laughs> the, the fact that my father is the one that introduced me to it is like even more foreign, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but my children, as you said, my children, my youngest children are, are in their early and mid-teens. Even the, before I said the word Bitcoin, the concept of digital money is, is not foreign to them. That is, paper money is foreign to my children. And the, the average person, though they think blockchain and Bitcoin is this crazy thing, they have been using digital money for 25 years. Exactly. You know, the, the experience of using Bitcoin is no different than the experience of using PayPal, except there is no middleman. I don't exactly. have to, I don't have to add my bank account. I don't have to wait for validation and verification. Um, and, and so I think in terms of education, we have got to split that middle ground. We have the developers out there talking about, you know, secure protocol and SHA-256 encryption and block time. And, and we have the, the uh, you know, the crazy, I say crazy, I'm one of these people, by the way, you know, the, the really far people who are into this for the monetary theory and the sovereignty and the control who are using, you know, language that sounds politically charged. Um, and then we have these people who think memes because they appeal particularly online into social media are the way to share information. And none of those have worked. And I think somewhere there's a middle ground between educating the general populace about how this can be integrated into their life seamlessly, as you mentioned. And it's already familiar. If you use your online banking app, you can use Bitcoin. It's that easy. Exactly. And, and not making it a joke by turning everything into a meme about, you know, whatever you know yeah. about argentina and venezuela and right and you know i i think there is that middle ground we just haven't hit yet god bless developers i love them and and you know they were the crux of my education but i can't take that to my mom i can't take developers speak to my mom 
And she doesn't care about memes either. <laughs> now, I want to correct you on something. You'd be surprised how many of us in this space are our age because I am a married father of four and I am 44. So there are a few of us in this space who aren't kids. Most of them here are kids. But I think, I think at our age and at uh, our point in life, we have seen a lot more than uh, the youthful members of this community. And I think for us, there's a real um, passion and love and understanding for what Bitcoin and what cryptocurrencies represent because we've lived through 2008. We weren't children. Right. We, we were right. working. We were working in 2008. I had a business. You know what I mean? So I understand what that is um, uh, uh, to need an alternative to a system that doesn't really work for everyone. You know? Absolutely. And I was involved in politics. I mean, that was my career. I was involved in politics for more than a decade. Um, I actually got into politics when I was very young. I moved to Alaska the year that the Valdez crashed wow and so in 1989 i roll into alaska and there's you know slapped in the face with politics and um so for me it's interesting you point out about being adults and working through the the you know the financial depression that we dealt with um we also out people our age remember life before the internet and we saw this thing change the world like the whole world, we watched it change every facet of life. And I yep. think people who are younger than us can't fathom because they lived with it. They grew up with it. I mean, yeah, even cell phones, like, you know, I yes. remember, you know, <laughs> cell phones changed the world. And so, you know, people who are younger than, say, 25 don't have never witnessed a technology literally change the entire world, change their entire way of doing things. I tell you now, I used to be able to remember phone numbers, like 20 years worth of phone numbers. Right. My kids couldn't tell you my my phone number right now. <laughs> if it's not in their address book, they don't know what it is. Right. And so I remember dial-up internet. Oh, yes. Having to be patient and wait for the connection. If the phone rings, your internet connection drops. I remember those days. I, I could paper a wall with free CompuServe and AOL. <laughs> but, you know, and, and so for me, it's very easy to imagine this. The, the moment I read the white paper, to imagine this, this idea. I mean, because at the time, Bitcoin was an idea. This idea just becoming a technological reality that changed the world. And, and in many ways, future coiners don't realize that it already has when it takes over media cycles, when it moves billions and billions of dollars in seconds, when companies like IBM and educational opportunities like MIT are literally devoting millions upon millions of dollars of R&D into how to integrate this technology, it's already been accepted. So you mentioned, is, is marketing this technology to the average person gonna be stealthy? Sure. I heard you mention Cheap Air on one of your podcasts. Yes. So I did an interview with Cheap Air. They did a People of Bitcoin series a couple of years ago. They did interviews. I, I don't even remember what year that was, 15, 16, something like that. And they asked me what I thought. And I thought by the time 
Bitcoin or cryptocurrency is a part of everyday's life, it will have happened so gradually that people won't notice it. The same way that the internet has changed, that cell phones became a part of something that they do from the moment they wake up till they go to sleep, the way PayPal did, the way Facebook did, they will just go viral because that's the way things happen now. I totally agree with you. Totally agree. Hey, this this has been a very interesting discussion. And this is the kind of uh, conversation that I like to have with my guests. I'm not big into questions and answers. What I want people to hear is authenticity and an exchange of ideas. And I really appreciate this because this has been a great discussion. I, you know what? The thing podcasts I think are getting better at is having those kinds of discussions. It's really cool to have people on and hear about their projects and what they're developing. I mean, I've tried hundreds of crypto projects over the years and I get super excited about a possible use case or, you know, this innovation. But I, I like to, I, and I think you in particular, like the last one I just listened to, are getting really good at talking about why crypto matters and not just what people are doing with it. I think that's exactly. great. Yeah. I, I, I think wow, you hit the nail right on the head. Why crypto matters is the way we get people to adopt crypto. Absolutely. I'm, I agree with you too. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> so Michelle, look, let me ask you a question. Okay. Where do you see Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology in the next three to five years? Um, I think that's a pretty easy question for me to answer because I spend so much time thinking about it. Um, I see Bitcoin as a mainstream, not fully adopted, not globally adopted, but a mainstream payment method that people are generally comfortable with even if they don't use it. Um, I see cryptocurrency projects you know, where crypto is front and center of these projects, very much like the early 2000s of the internet. I think there are going to be some Amazons and I think there are going to be some pets.com. Now I'm really showing my age. Um, <laughs> and, and I think blockchain will be invisible. I think we will, if you're a developer, if you are an infrastructure manager, if you are somebody who is interested in international payment monetary systems, blockchain will matter to you. But will blockchain continue to make headlines in three to five years? Absolutely not. Blockchain is going to be fiber. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be telephone lines. People don't talk about telephone lines and fiber. That's not what they talk about. Ooh. It's just infrastructure. That's a great example. Yes, I totally agree with you. I remember the days when uh, you couldn't tell me anything when I had an ISDN connection or I had DSL and I migrated from dial-up to DSL and then cable came out and then you just stopped hearing about them. Right, right, because it's infrastructure. It's exciting when it's new, but after that, it's, it's you know, it's the road that the, that the brand new cars drive on. And uh, like I said, you know, we'll have some Peugeots and we'll have some Corvettes. <laughs> Michelle, this was a lot of fun. Thank, Thank you, you so much. It. Thank you so much for accepting my invitation. And you and I have to do this again. Maybe you and I can team up and we can interview some folks. What do you think about that? 
I think that sounds like a blast. That sounds I would good. love it. Okay. Hey, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you.